Welcome back to another edition of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. This is Mike Coppinger alongside Lance Pugmire, and we have a lot to get into, as always, coming off an action-packed boxing day on Saturday with the big Charlo doubleheader. We had the Dordico's Bredis fight and also Josh Taylor with the first-round knockout over Kong Song. So we'll get into all of that. We'll talk about Terrence Crawford fighting Kell Brook. Take a quick look at this weekend's action between Jose Zapata and Ivan Baranchek. And then we'll be joined by super middleweight prospect Ed Berlenga, who scored a first-round knockout in all of his fights. So if you're listening to the show and you're loving it, anything you can do is a big help. Like, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate it. And now let's get to the show. All right, Lance, lots of fights on Saturday. I mean, obviously, the Charles were the biggest names fighting, but we also had Bradis beating Dordicos and Cruiserweight. We had Josh Taylor with a first-round knockout over Kong Song. First, let's get into the Charlos, though. That was the big action. Uh, I was really impressed by both Charlos, but especially Jamal. I, you know, that was Jamal's toughest test by far. I thought he rose to the challenge and... Really, I was really impressed most by his composure. He was so disciplined in there, so patient in beating Sergey Drevinchenko via unanimous decision. I had it 116-112 or eight rounds to four. Clear victory for him. And then we had Jermel Charlo uh, later in the main event beating Jason Rosario with a bizarre, in a way, uh, body shot jab knockout rarely seen uh-huh. where Jason Rosario was like convulsing on the canvas, looked all out of sorts, and Charlo grabs two more titles, Jermel, to become uh, unified champion at 154, three belts. Uh, first, give me your thoughts on that, Lance. What was your big takeaway from that six-fight pay-per-view card? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mike, it was a, it was a redemptive you know, showing for the Charlo brothers who have, let's be honest, these guys have taken some shots about just how good they are. Some people, like you said, have kind of cast uh, some dispersions on the quality of opposition that Jamal has faced. And I agree with you. I mean, look, the thing that impressed me so much, along with his composure, was he was willing to step into that fire against Devranchenko. And let's be honest, Mike, it's easy to, to draw comparisons to how Sergei Devranchenko had fought against Danny Jacobs and Triple G Gennady Golovkin. Those guys had tough times when, you know, Devranchenko was getting in there and landing some shots. And Jamal Charlo hung in there, took those shots, kept coming, kind of, you know, maybe at at points got away from um, maintaining distance and relying on that six-inch reach advantage he had with his jab. But overall, just a sensational uh, uh, performance that, yes, you know, discipline and composure was definitely in play, but so was toughness. And I think that, you know, for this guy, he has every right to feel, you know, to hold his head high and feel as if, you know, he made the claim afterward at, that he's the best 160 pounder in the world. And with Canelo Alvarez not exactly in that in that division right now, I think it's a valid argument, Mike. Um, as for Jermel, Yeah, I mean, let's be real. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know about you, Lance. I'm picking Charlo over Golovkin if they fight tomorrow. Me too. And and against Jacobs. And I think, you know, hopefully maybe a fight with Jacobs Same. could happen in 2021. But yes, I would definitely pick Jamal because of the strides that he's making. And, and you know, look. We want to, I think it's the safe pick to say, oh, he's got such an incredible trainer with Ronnie Shields uh, in his corner. And that's true. But you can tell, and Ronnie Shields had said this, Jamal works his ass off in the gym. And you saw that work, you know, rise to the occasion on Saturday afternoon. As for Jermel, 
you know, sensational performance in that too. He too had to deal with a guy who has some pretty significant power and toughness. Uh, didn't really shy from that, you know, landed a, a knockdown punch on Rosario. And then, you know, I thought it was interesting because Mike, this is, uh, to me, this is like the question of the day about that fight is like, was that, was that fight damaging enough to cause that reaction? Because it was something that we haven't seen on two levels in a long time. I've never really seen a jab to the body knock someone out. And I haven't seen a, a guy respond that way in, I don't know how long it was. It was very bizarre. Yeah. I mean, look, we've all heard the conspiracy theorists as always. It's, it's annoying and it doesn't make sense. No, Jason Rosario did not throw the fight. If he would have won this fight, he would have made millions and millions more in his next fight. So there would be no incentive really. And besides, yeah, let's keep in mind, there's a lot of organs in there, right, Lance? Oh, yeah. you, you don't know what happens when you get hit into the body. Uh, mm -hmm. Jamal was giving him a beating before that point. We don't know what kind of effect that had on him. And it's another big win for Jamal. And as we you know, chronicled on this pod last week, that 154 division is loaded with a lot of talent that's evenly matched. But I don't really see anybody beating Jamel Charlo. Yeah, I don't I don't see anyone beating him, but I do want to see these fights. I want to see him against Jared Hurd. You know, let's see how he does against yeah. against Lara. Um, even J-Rock. And um, you know, ultimately, I know Patrick Teixeira, who owns the other uh, 154 pound belt has a mandatory to deal with against Castaño. But once he's through with that, I mean, there should be every every um, move should be to try to unify this division. And, you know, for once, it's good to have, you know, someone who's in position to do so. And not to mention, Lance, that's, that should be rather easy because I, I would be a little surprised if Castaño lost to the Shara. Castaño is going to be the favorite for a reason. He showed how good he was against Lara last year. And... Look, I, yeah, so I think Castaño is going to beat Teixeira. Castaño is with PBC. Teixeira yeah. is with Golden Boy. Great point. It's going to be real easy for them to make a, a, a fight for an undisputed championship between Charlo and Castaño, as long as Castaño wins. So we have that to look forward to possibly next year. And maybe there can be some guys at 147 that can move up. Some of the bigger guys, whether it's, well, Errol Spence is not going to happen considering they both train with Derek James and their friends. But maybe Keith Thurman would be interesting. He's a guy that fought, I think, at 152 in the amateurs. Mm -hmm. So we have some possibilities. We had Crawford jawing at Charlo uh, earlier this year on social media saying he wanted to fight him. Maybe that's a fight that happens. You know, I, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a good chance Crawford moves over to PBC at some point in the near future. So that could be something. Um, but. You know, I, I think the overall, it was a really good night for both Charlos. They're, they're probably their two biggest tests yet. And, well, you know, Jermel had the fight with Tony Harrison, but just a more rugged, bigger, more physical guy in Rosario. And they both passed with flying colors. And I thought it was a really good pay-per-view. Uh, I thought the undercard more than delivered. Great performance from John Real Casimero in that knockout oh, yeah. of Duke Micah. <laughs> and <laughs> Casimero... My buddy uh -huh. dropping to do one hand, one armed push ups afterward while calling out Naoya Inoue, who he was supposed to fight earlier this year. Now, now suddenly, that's a hot fight, right? Casimero and Inoue is hotter For than sure. ever. Hey, Mike, let me ask you something real quick because I was getting some uh, kickback from uh, Top Rank where they say that Casimero did not want the really want the fight against Inoue and they don't believe he does want the fight. Look, the guy that I saw fight on Saturday night. He has every right to to feel as if he can go in there and it, you know give this guy one hell of a test. I was very impressed. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm sure he wants it. He, he already accepted the fight once, and then he wanted more. You know, they couldn't agree on money the second time around. 
don't mm-hmm. think that's an indicator he doesn't want it necessarily. Yeah. Uh, look, our you know our our man Sean Gibbons knows how to navigate this. I'm sure he'll get him the fight. I don't think anyone's beating a new way around 118, mm-hmm. but Casemiro deserves the opportunity to try. Yeah, and we also saw Mike. We saw Luis Neri um, step up and and win another world title for his his trainer uh, Eddie Reynoso, who certainly has a lot in his collection at, at the gym there in San Diego. Um, not exactly a great performance to me. I, I wrote about this no. saying that there was a lot of it seemed that there was ring rust in play, but he did beat Aaron Alameda and you know moves on to maybe a fight against another winner on Saturday's card, Danny Roman. Um, is that a fight that interests you? And what was your takeaway from Neri? Uh, yeah, look, Neri's an excellent fighter, an excellent talent. Uh, I've watched him spar before wild card. He doesn't even use headgear, <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a bit underwhelming from him. It looked like he never found second gear and he was kind of working on things in there. Maybe, you know, kind of like, like you mentioned a lot of ring rust. He's had issues with weight bright side. He did make weight finally. So that's, that's that. And we're going to have to see, I, I think at 122, there's a lot of good options on the PBC side. Ray Vargas, who I think is the, I can't keep up with this mumbo jumbo, but he's the WBC champion in recess because of the injury. Uh-huh. I guess if he doesn't move up to 26, he could fight him theoretically, although they share a manager in Lupe Valencia. So that could be an issue mm-hmm. there. Danny Ormond will be interesting, uh, but I hear it could be Brandon Figueroa next for Neri. That, that, oh that's gosh. something PBC is looking at. Wow. Um, now he, so, he looked, he looked good too. Yeah, he looks good. Uh, you know, Figueroa is a solid fighter. I thought he did a nice job. Uh, I was also impressed with Aaron Alameda. You know, I, I thought Alameda, I had never really, I hadn't seen much of him before, but he's clearly at least a good gatekeeper. He's yeah. going to, he's going to be anyone who's not up to the task. He's he had a nice jab, solid fighter. You know, I'm not going to put him on, on that top level, but uh, I want to see him again. He deserves uh, more opportunities. Yeah. I wanted to apologize to you, Mike, because, um, you know, I was supposed to be in charge of, uh, the, uh, the recap of what was happening on Saturday. And I kind of called you or texted you in a frenzy saying, hey, can you keep an eye on Brita Storticos? Because Bob Arum was yelling, called me to yell at me and was ranting and raving about how outraged he was in this mandatory opponent Kong song against Josh (laughs) Taylor. I mean, I couldn't get Arum off the phone and we're, you know, we're good diving into the championship rounds of Brita Storticos. So I just let him talk. So sorry for doing (laughs) that. Golden stuff. Oh, it was unbelievable tirade. I mean, look, you know, I think that mandatories are such a, you know, uh, such a a devil to deal with. You know, I mean, they present an opportunity for guys who to get that title shot if they're deserving. But then you have fights like this where, you know, it is a first round knockout. And you're like, why in the hell are we watching this? You know, this stuff. I mean, one one big punch and this guy's done. And that was that's what Aaron was saying. I mean, clearly he's trying to make a case, you know, that. Um, the idea of like a franchise champion is, is the way that champions should be treated and they should, you know, be trusted on their own to take the, the biggest fights. But we know we can't trust promoters either. So it's, it's really a, a tough situation to deal with moving forward. Yeah. I mean, look, Josh Taylor just obliterated Kong Song. Uh, first round knockout would be a body shot. Now he'll move on to probably Jose Ramirez, hopefully. I get what Bob Aram is saying, but. It's kind of like what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I love now that Aaron was saying, oh, well, we might have to have Jamel Herring fight Shakur Stevenson. He's the WBO mandatory. It's like, <laughs> look, you're not fooling anyone. We know that the top rank pretty much controls the WBO. And that, that's not special to top rank. You know, every promoter has their sanctioning body. Mm-hmm. The, the sanctioning bodies, for the most part, are, you know, 
they listen to what the promoters tell them. So they're all in bed with each other. It's a, I don't know. I wish we could just abolish sanctioning bodies, but it's not going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. We did have, you know, I, I the World Boxing Super Series, right? It was kind of trying to slice through that. Even, you know, they, they were including the sanctioning bodies in there, but they were trying to slice through it a little bit by, you, you know, crowning the best fighter in a division through the tournament. I thought they did a nice job again with the cruiserweights. The cruiserweights are consistently just an undervalued, the vision, you know, they're, you're, you don't get, they don't get the glory of the heavyweights and they're disrespected uh, when, you know, they're not even getting the respect of the light heavyweights. But Marius Bradis, as you put in your, your article, Lance, that's a really underappreciated fighter. I mean, this guy almost beat Usyk. Now he he beats Dordicos convincingly. And you have to wonder if he's ever going to get the respect he deserves at cruiserweight or if he's going to have to, at 35, move up to heavyweight. Yeah, I mean the the beauty of the World Boxing Super Series is is what you just explained. But the uh, um, the problem with it is like all these guys now are like these champions who've, who've built their name brand and they're they've left that uh, that division in the dust to move up to heavyweight. So it's really leaving you know that that division bare boned uh, at this point. But yeah, I mean uh, he's uh, he's thirty five years old, Mike. So I mean like he's got a very short window. And I had written about this. Like it's it's tough. To see, given how how we know the heavyweight division is so clogged with all these fights that are basically going to happen involving Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua and everyone else, like he doesn't, ha- he's not going to have a lot of time to get to a title shot, but he could definitely involve himself in some pretty significant fights that would be worth watching, thanks to the depth of the uh, heavyweight division. Yeah, so you know, one to watch. You know, Usyk's going to fight Derek Tesora on Halloween. And then I think we have Gassiev coming back too soon, it seems, mm-hmm. um, against Kevin Johnson, heavyweight. I don't even call him a gatekeeper at this point, but or journey. I guess a journeyman's probably more apt. Mm-hmm. But that's actually also going to be on Halloween. It was announced today Great. in Russia. So okay. that'll be his heavyweight debut for Gassiev. Uh, and you know, I, I think he's the guy who can make a lot of noise at heavyweight. Big, big puncher. So let's see what he can do. I'm excited. The heavyweight division has never been hotter. And we're still waiting, right, to see what's going to happen with Joshua Pulev and Wilder Fury because of the fans. They're going to need fans to have those fights, if not some big, massive site fee from some exotic locale. Right. It seems like there's a lot of consternation out there and a lot of uh, rumors flying around. But clearly, you know, that's what they're all angling at, right? They're trying to bide their time and see if if they can get fans into any of these venues and, or where they can go to get the fans. And then we'll see that, you know, those fights announced. And now a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, now we're going to welcome in super middleweight prospect Edgar Berlanga, who has 14 first-round knockouts in 14 fights and really taking the sport by storm. He's returning on October 17th on the Lomachenko-Lopez undercard against Anel Bellows, a guy who's never been knocked out. Edgar, thanks for joining the show. And I'm wondering, you know, at this point, your streak is kind of becoming folklore. How important is it to you to get another first-round knockout, or would you like to get some rounds in? Yeah, the knockout, it'll come 
you know, I, like I would say, uh, somebody had asked me the other day, oh, you know, you think you're going to knock this guy in the first round? And I said, listen, man, every fight I go in with the same mentality, you know, if he goes in the first, if he goes in the second, third, I'm I'm just prepared to go those rounds if, you know, that day comes and let's go. Um, right, right. And, you know, this is going to be probably your biggest stage yet, right? I mean, you're fighting on a big-time undercard here. You, you're pushing farther and farther now. This is the biggest you've ever been. What do you think you're going to have to do to get to that next level? Uh, just keep winning, man, and keep looking better and better each and every fight, you know, and that goes with, with training hard and staying in the gym and staying disciplined. You know, I know that October 17th, I'm going to have a lot of eyes on me. You know, I'm a knockout artist. And uh, just, you know, people want to see more of, of, of Edgar, you know, and that's what I'm here to do. Listen, at the end of the day, this is the sport of boxing, you know, and, you know, October 17th, I'm bringing fireworks. Yeah, are you concerned? Edgar, I mean, I, I saw your fight on the Crawford undercard, and it was so sensational. It actually, I mean, honestly, it reminds me a little bit of Tyson from the standpoint of you just go right at him. I mean, there's no hesitation at all. Can you talk about your fighting mentality once you step in the ring? Um, yeah, like the thing is, you know, a lot of fighters, man, now that I feel like they think certain fighters think that is is, is like hype, you know, like, nah, that dude don't hit hard, man. Let's, I'm going to walk right through his, his, his punches, you know, until they get, they really get punched, you know, and a lot of times that, that, that I drop dudes is when they opening up, you know, or they, or they keeping their guard up high and they're not throwing back, you know, and with the December fight, you know, he was a veteran. He was a guy that had went Browns and stuff and. I was just prepared for him all around the boards, you know, and like I am for every other fight. I'm prepared all around the board, you know, and, uh, you know, for me, for mentality like me, man, is, is, is kill or be killed, you know, like like the gladiators back in the day, you know, you got to, it's kill or be killed, man. You're going in there, you fight for your life. You know, that guy's trying to take your life. That's how I look at it, you know, and uh, I have, I have a, mentality, a mentality of a, of a gladiator. You understand too that the uh, you know the questions that are always uh, per pertain to every boxer out there, and I think when you knock out so many guys so quickly, those those questions are going to uh, persist on you too. Like, hey, we need to see this guy's chin. We need to see his defense. Is this guy the real deal? What do you say? What do you say to those questions? Um, you know, I'd say like I always say, come to the gym and you know watch me spar. You know, when people talk. I say, come to the gym, because when you see me spar, I have everything. You know, and obviously in the gym, I'm going 8, 10 rounds, 12 rounds of sparring. You know, so you're going to see the full Edgar Berlinga in that gym, you know, and how hard I work. You know, I know I got a chin. You know, I know I got great defense. I got beautiful leg movement. I got a beautiful jab. You know, and one of the greatest and, and future Hall of Famers, Andre Ward, you know, he sees it. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's not going to just bypass somebody or bypass anything you know he sees talent he sees everything man before before i even was before i'm even be able, like uh how, how can i say it? like uh before i can even show it to the world he already sees it mm -hmm. you know and that's that's the goal and you're talking about andre Ward, so he sees it you know a lot of a lot of hall of famers see it you know it's just for me now to just so improve yeah and look i think we're all excited for you to show it to the world there's a lot of excitement around you right now we look back at a couple of other guys and two very different paths, right? You had Tyrone Brunson, who had 19 first-round knockouts, and he never came close to reaching the, the contender level. But on the other hand, you had Edwin Valero with 18 first-round KOs. He went on to win a title and you know, just beat up Antonio DeMarco before he tragically died. So 
I think there's a lot of excitement right now. We're excited to see what you can do when someone does push you. And right, it's going to take someone to bring you to that level to where you're going to have to face adversity. But it's going to happen at some point, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course, you know, that that, that time is going to come. I know it's going to come, you know, that, that time where I got to dig deep and I'm going to be put in deep waters. And that's when I'm going to have to learn how to swim, you know, and I'm a flow and I'm definitely not drowning. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it's been it's been a while since we've had a star from Puerto Rico, you know, since Miguel Cotto retired, but also since we've had a star from New York. Is there? Do you think you could be the guy to fulfill both of those things? Because you know, you obviously have a lot of charisma, you have a lot of confidence, and if you can keep knocking guys out at the top level, that that's what carries superstars, right? It's always power. Yeah, I'm right now. Like I'm already making history. You know, I'm the first Puerto Rican. And and as as you know, as a Puerto Rican, I'm the first Puerto Rican ever to have 14 first round knockouts. You know, so that right there is just is just big in my books and for, for for my island. You know, but I see myself big, man. I have the charisma. You know, I have the the fan base. I could fight. I could punch, and that's the most important thing about punching. And I could take a punch. So uh, you know, just with me, just building myself up slowly, man. Like I'm not trying to rush myself. You know, I'm 23 years old. You know, I'm young. I know the time is going to come. And when the time comes, man, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot for the sky, man. I'm going to shoot for the stars. I wanted to ask you a couple things uh, about your October 17th appearance, Edgar. First of all, your opponent, Linnell Bellows, is he going to be the type of guy um, who's going to give you a lot of difficulty? What do you know about this guy? Uh, yeah, I've seen a couple of videos of him. Like, he looks like, you know, he's, he's, small, he's a smaller dude. So I know he's going to try to bring the fight, you know. He's going to try to... I know he's going to come right at me. You know, I know that's his game plan. I already know, you know, a small guy's not going to box a bigger man, you know. That's just stupid, you know, if he tries to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Never. I know he's going to bring the fight. I know he's going to open up. And for me, I just have to, you know, just stay technical, man, and just make sure my defense is tight, use my jab. And if I, like I always say, you know, if I see any openings, if he makes any mistakes, he's going to have to pay. What's your thoughts <laughs> on the main event? Do you have Lomachenko or Lopez? Yeah, I got Lopez on that, man. I want my I want my bro to win. You know, I grew up with, with him in the amateurs and stuff. And I just hope that he wins, man. We we come from the same generation. So I really hope that he wins and he takes those titles, man, because it's a new generation now. Yeah, and uh, look, I know you train alongside Sergey Drevianchenko with Andre Rozier. Uh, was it tough to watch that fight on Saturday? And, and what did you take away from that one? Yeah, I was actually I was I wasn't I was like at the at the Mohegan Sun, mm-hmm. and you know you know Tanko. I mean, trains very hard. He's a great fighter. He's a great human being, man. But you know he didn't get the decision. You know Charlo's a much bigger person, man. He's a bigger man. You know he's not a normal one sixty either. You know I feel <laughs> no. like he looks like a one sixty. You know, but um, like I said, man, Sergey Sergey fought his heart out. He fought a great fight. And he came up short. Yeah, I don't know how Charlo makes 160. Maybe we'll see you fight him in the future, huh? <laughs> but Oh, yeah, of course. I was saying that. I already said that. I said that fight. I told Keith Connie, I said, my manager, I said, listen, we got to line that fight up in two years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you have plenty of time, right? You're 23, but you're already calling out the big names. We saw, we see you talking about fights with Benavidez and Canelo in the future. It's exciting for everyone. Um, and I'm just excited to see what you can do coming up here soon. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. What do you think fans should look for on the seventeenth? Are, are we getting another first round knockout? 
Nah, I don't like to predict those things, man. <laughs> you know, like I always say, if it comes, it comes. I'm not that type of fighter because I feel like if I predict something, man, then, you know, you fight different. Your, 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 your mindset is different. You, I'm, now I'm focusing on the first round and I, and, I, and I get desperate, you know. So, like I always say, man, just watch, you know, tune in, get your popcorn ready, man, because I'm suing, I'm, suing, I'm suing some guns, man. <laughs> Lastly, are, are we going to see you take over Puerto Rican Day? I mean, we had Trinidad, we had Cotto on there, Verdejo tried and it didn't work out for him. Um, now you're with top rank. Are you going to be the guy to, to take that throne and have the Puerto Rican Day Parade and have the big fight at the Garden? But is year coming, uh, 2021? Yeah, that's what we're looking forward to, man, in June. Uh, you know, Keith has already put in the bug in the ear. Top rank already knows. You know, Bob already knows about next year. You know, God willing, the, the garden is open, you know, and we can let fans in. And if that happens, man, then, yeah, we're definitely making it happen, man. And I'm hella on that, uh, that card. And, uh, you know, we're going to be going down Fifth Avenue on the float. Thanks again to Edgar Berlanga. You can catch the hot prospect on October 17th on ESPN underneath the hotly anticipated Vasily Lomachenko, Teofimo Lopez lightweight title fight. And you can follow Edgar on Twitter at Edgar Berlanga Jr. And you can also follow him over on Instagram at Real Edgar Berlanga. Lance, you know, you look, you got to like the kids' moxie. Uh, like we said, it's been a long time since we've had both a star from New York and a star from Puerto Rico. He clearly has a lot of confidence. He has the power. We know power carries the day in boxing. Um, what do you want to see from him on October 17th? And what's your takeaway? I mean, geez, if he could knock out an, uh, a guy who hasn't been knocked out at all in 29 bouts in the first round, I mean, that'd be sensational. And it, obviously the buzz is there right now. And Mike, I think about like what you said when you talked about his moxie and his awareness of things. I was out at MSG doing uh, when I did the uh, Terrence Crawford fight and Joel Fisher, who runs the arena, said he's already struck up a, a quite a friendship with Berlanga. Berlanga has, has made it known, like, you know, hey, this is going to be my arena. I do want to be here on Puerto Rican uh, Day weekend. I'm going to be your guy. And the, the kid's smart, and he's very confident. And let's see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you know, Rodeo tried. He didn't work out for him. Uh, Berlanga clearly has the it factor on the personality side, and, and we're going to see if he has the rest of the, the all-around game to make it. Uh, moving on to another fight between with, with involving a Brit, we have Terrence Crawford, Kell Brook. We reported last week that that deal is agreed to. They're going to fight November 14th, and I'm told it's going to be in the bubble in Las Vegas, ESPN main event. Lance, what's your take here? Is this another you know, ho-hum opponent for Terrence Crawford that we're not going to give much of a chance to? Or do you think Brook can reach back down and re regain his form when he was a champion and a really big threat in the, in the boxing world? I don't think he can regain the form, Mike, because I think that, you know, um, look, I think you were probably at that fight as well when he fought Sean Porter, and that was a, a great version of Kell Brook, but then he steps into these, you know, very tough fights against Gennady Golovkin, who, uh, you know, uh, broke his orbital bone, and then a tough 11 rounds against Errol Spence Jr. I mean, we're talking about, right, two members of the top 10 pound-for-pound list, and they got the best of, of Kell Brook. And really, to me, Kell Brook is like a, a cautionary tale of you know what happens when you bite off more than you can chew in in your opponent selection, and now you know look he's been basically he's he's taken taken on three no name opponents over the course of the last three years, and you know now steps in for a payday against Terence Crawford who I'm sure will uh, take him apart. I mean I liken it to what happened between 
Crawford and Amir Khan, I see nothing right now that makes me uh, think any differently about how this fight is going to play out. Am I wrong on that? No, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think it's more easy work for Terrence Crawford. Uh, I'm told Crawford's going to make around $4 million. Brooke will make around $2 million. So it's a nice payday for Brooke. You make your mentions. They had a really nice win against Sean Porter. That was in 2014, and that's the last time he's had a big win. Yeah. He has, obviously has a lot of balls, Lance. I mean, yeah, this guy no moved all the way up to 160 to fight Triple G, got annihilated, suffered a broken orbital bone. And then the very next fight, he drops all that weight, fights Errol Spence. I thought he won the first five rounds, and then he gets brutalized. Spence breaks the other orbital bone, and he has yet to have surgery on both. I mean, that's Jeez. that in and of itself is really serious. Uh, he hasn't fought at 47 in some time. I'm hearing he's, you know, people think he's going to have a lot of trouble making way for this fight if he makes it at all. So a lot of questions. And, you know, I, I keep hearing that Crawford is none too happy with top rank. That mm -hmm. He really wants a big fight. I don't know that it's necessarily all top rank's fault. I know they're a little hamstrung with PBC controlling the welterweights. They yeah. were trying to make a fight with Pacquiao for the Middle East and Qatar. Didn't happen. Now we're, we're left with this. Mm -hmm. um, so... Uh, we'll see what happens there, but Crawford will be back in action. Yeah, it's just, you know, to me, Mike, it's like when I talk to Terrence Crawford, I believe his intentions are good and that he does want to fight all these guys like Spence and he wants to try to, you know, just prove how great he is. But the bottom line is, and you know, and he can, he can say whatever he wants on too on social media as well. The bottom line is, is your, is the actions. And I know those actions are being controlled by the promoter. But it's a dis it's a disappointing turn again for what people want to see um, from Terrence Crawford from his opponent in the ring, and to say that it's Kell Brook now, who's like you said six years removed from his uh, best fight, it's disappointing. And the hope is is that Terrence Crawford can get these fights that he really wants starting next year. I mean, because really, there's nowhere else to run after after this uh, opponent selection. Uh, yeah, look, no doubt. And uh, Top Rank does have an intriguing fight this week. It's the rescheduled junior welterweight fight between Jose Zapata and Ivan Baranchak. I really like that one. That was one of the fights I had highlighted on that summer slate before Baranchak suffered the rib injury. And but I think I'm going to go with Zapata in this fight. I think it's just a bad style for Baranchak, who is a hard-charging pressure fighter. Zapata, a boxer uh, who likes to move around, has been some stinky fights. But I think it will be fun in the ring I think that's the kind of fighter Zapata needs to make a fun fight. Someone who presses forward. But I'm going to go with Zapata. Really? Wow, that's very interesting. I don't know why you don't like Baranchek. I remember when we talked ringside at a fight. I think it was, was it here on the Triple G card? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, I think possibly. I'm super impressed by this guy. But he had uh, he had difficulty, right, with Josh Taylor. So, well, yeah. The problem, I, I you know, the, the winner of this fight becomes the top contender in the WBC in the 140 pound division, Mike. But I'm told that Zapata, with the victory, would be eyeing a fight against Tiafimo Lopez at 140, given that Tiafimo has talked about, you know, his his discomfort at 135. That would be very interesting. Yeah, I'd love to see that too. Uh, but hopefully we get a good fight on Saturday between Zapata and Baranchek. I think that's really the only big action we have this weekend. There's some smaller fights in the PBC with prospect Paul Kroll, uh, one to watch. But we'll be looking for that. And that's our show for today. As always... You can follow our work over at The Athletic, and please, if you can, like, subscribe, rate, and review.